Hi everyone and welcome back to the Hardcore Podcast. My name is Romy J and I'm your host and in this podcast we chat about everything. My goal with this podcast is to leave no topic in the dance world not spoken about. The Hardcore Podcast is a safe and honest space to have these conversations with professionals and pre-professionals in the industry. To stay up to date with all the latest Hardcore Podcast information and news, please head over to our Instagram which is at the underscore hardcore h-a-r-d-c-o-r-p-s underscore podcast everything's going to be posted there from guests to news to anything and without further ado let's get on to the episode Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast in this week's episode I'm joined with Jessica Fife. Hi Jessica. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Rami. How are you? Good. I'm good. Um, I'm excited for this episode. And I mean, yeah, we'll get straight into the quick fire round. So people that yeah. are listening and if they don't know who you are, they can find out more um, in a little fun way. So first question is, where are you currently? And that can be however you want to take that. Yeah, so right now I'm um, at Scottish Ballet in Glasgow, um, the National Ballet of Scotland. Um, yeah, I just finished rehearsals for the Cinders production that we're working on for Christmas. Woo. That's exciting. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, next question, which is what is your least favorite ballet step? My least favorite ballet step. Mm, my least favorite <laughs> ballet step is probably like a, you know, like a nice promenade in Devon in the center, you know, oh. they're nasty. They but, are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah not yeah I think any promenade with the legs like out from your center yeah like it's in passe can kind of find attitude can kind of yeah but Devon that's a really yeah Yeah, it is yeah really to do it well everything yes yeah Yeah. Yeah. just shows (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel you yeah. Um. Next question, which is, what is your favorite piece of choreography you've either like seen, performed? It could be either or both. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, um, I I love a lot of uh John Cranko's choreography, like his partiders especially. I just love pretty much all of them. Um, but a little special one I love that it's the mime scene in Act Two as Lise in La Filma Garde, where she's describing how she loves her partner, Colas, and she's describing what her life would be like. They'd get married and they'd have children. And um, I just think it's such a beautiful with the music and it's just so simple. But I think the audience, you know, everyone can relate to those feelings of wanting to find your love and have a lovely life. And, Mm. yeah, yeah, I think um, it's a little piece of, beautiful choreography that I think is very overlooked mm-hmm. yeah mm. no that sounds I mean it's beautiful I love a good mime scene like I'm a I'm sucker for like I don't know even like swan like any mime scene any like um oh even Giselle I don't know I just love getting into the acting so I I yeah, yeah. and I feel like sometimes saying you know today there's so many amazing new choreographers that are pushing boundaries mm-hmm. you know and um William Forsyth and like all those mm. amazing 
amazing pieces and they're great and I yeah. love my teeth into them like David Dawson and yeah, love. doing all these new things love mm-hmm. them but I think you know there's something just about the that that traditional like maison scene mm-hmm. telling a story um and communicating without using words to the audience that I think sometimes in this new trying to like do as many tricks and like mm. Or get dancers to push their boundaries and push themselves to really the, their limits. Yeah. I think we we sometimes forget how beautiful just mm-hmm. simply to tell a story is. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I think yeah, yeah, at the moment I'm really liking yeah these. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, next question, which is, what is your favorite piece of dancewear? So I have my little trusty light blue elasticated skirt. It's a little mm-hmm. mini short skirt. It's got holes in it. The elastic's nearly <sighs> like snappy, uh-huh. but I just, I wear it almost every day. I just love it. I don't know. It's Where's just, it from? It's actually from Margot Valley Skirts. She's a dancer in Stuttgart Valley mm-hmm. and she started making ballet skirts. It's one of the first ones she started making. Oh. Just love it. So thanks. Thanks, Martina. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There's oh, there's just something so special about like, especially when colleagues or people you know are like making dancewear and then yeah. you wear it and it's got like a little story and it, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. I love that. Yeah. Um, and last question, which is, what is your favorite food? Well, I do love, and people are very surprised by this, but I love a slow roasted, slow cooked lamb. Being Australian, I just love a good lamb. Mm. Um, and then I think followed by my dad's famous sticky date pudding. That's like Ooh. my favorite, my favorite meal. Sounds really good. Yeah, I could eat that every weekend and it fuel me mm-hmm. for a week. And then I'd have, if I'm lucky enough, I get leftovers for the rest of the week. So <laughs> that's my perfect meal. <laughs> I love it. Um perfect. Let's go into your journey to ballet. Um Mm-hmm. briefly like I mean not so you can go into as much detail as you'd like um your experience going into professional training like yeah. what point did you know you wanted to go into professional training and take it seriously and then some of the challenges you experienced as a teenager like in ballet training yeah so take you right back to the beginning actually yeah. so I I actually, my mom had to put me into ballet because I was born with hip dysplasia. So mm-hmm. I couldn't actually walk or run properly. And I would get really upset because oh. I couldn't run after my friends in the playground. And so my pediatrician um, told my mom, look, just put her into ballet. She'll learn how to use her legs properly because of the training of the muscles. And so my mom did, and I was so bad people don't do not believe me but I was so bad the ballet school actually made my mum sign a waiver saying they wouldn't be responsible if they if I injured myself because I was so bad and that I would never be a dancer so I should probably just quit now because they didn't want anything to do with me so I had to leave that ballet school um and then I went somewhere else and I actually I really enjoyed it and I fell in love with dance and then my family moved um to another city for my dad's work. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started my training with Marie Walton Mann, who's now famous for her PBT mm-hmm. ballet technique, which yep. is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I kind of really 
got into it. I got my first pair of point shoes and I was like, that's it. I'm sold. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I think mm-hmm. I was 12 when I made that decision. Mm-hmm. And I remember my parents, cause I was quite good at school. And I remember my mum and dad sat me down and um, they were like, you know, you're getting pretty serious with this ballet, you know, can you do this as a real job? And I just remember thinking, well, yeah, but they still didn't believe me. So I three <laughs> had to call them in when I got a hundred percent on a, I think my, my advanced two or something. Oh, so that's a big, di- that's, that's, that's good. That's very good. And, Absolutely. Um, and my she kind of had the talk with them and was like, look, I think Jessica could, you know, actually make a career. And my dad was still not convinced. He still didn't believe I could make a career out of it. So they agreed that I had to go full-time ballet mm-hmm. at 13 and do school by distance education if I kept my grades up. So I mm-hmm. did. And then from there, I got into the Australian ballet school. Mm-hmm. I joined there um, after doing my solo seal and, um, I went to Janae actually before I joined the Australian Ballet School. And then mm-hmm. in Australian Ballet School, I had some great opportunities. We did Vaganova training. So I'd done all the RAD, Vaganova training. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really lucky and got to go to Pre Lazan. I got to go to um, a gala in Kuala Lumpur. Um, and then I graduated and um, ducks and got straight into the Australian Ballet Company. So that was kind of my my mm. trajectory and I think my parents now believe me that I can make a living so it's good that's good it's, that's good yeah that's well it's, it's good to hear um what was that kind of like moving from where you were to the showing that like going into that full time was that a hard adjustment going from RAD to Vaganava do you remember that very like that transition like how you yeah. felt um I really like excitement. Yeah, because um, I really enjoyed my ID training and everything. But I think because I'd gotten to the end, like I've got, I got the solo seal. Mm-hmm. I was kind of ready for something else. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a great teacher, Miss Irina, and um, for my first year in the Australian Ballet School. And um, yeah, I just loved the learning something new. But I've always been like that. I've always, I've always really liked if there's a new teacher or a new contemporary teacher or a new character teacher or just something, I just love learning new things. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think I adapted quite well. Mm-hmm. That's good. Did you, was it hard to like, did you struggle like being away from your family or are you not someone? Yeah. Did I mean, you get it homesick? Was, it was a big challenge. Of course I did. I think mm-hmm. everyone does. I think I mm-hmm. was turning 15 when I, yeah when I moved to Melbourne and my parents mm-hmm. had actually moved back to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was living with a friend of mine who I knew from Marie mm-hmm. Watson's Ballet School. So we were flooding together, but yeah, I had to learn how to use my rice cooker and like cook myself, <laughs> do my groceries, do the washing. I, of course, I think I have, you know, I turned a whole lot of things pink at one stage, you know, using <laughs> setting. Happens. I, I nearly blew up the microwave because I forgot to put rice in the rice cooker and the place smelled like plastic. Oh no. In my wardrobe with my tub of ice cream when I'd had a bad day. I think it's, it's all just part and parcel of um, learning and growing up as a 14, 15 year old Mm -hmm. thing away from home. Yeah. 
yeah it, absolutely it's one of those challenges that I mean when you decide to like go to ballet school especially if you're going at that age or mm. yeah like 14 15 16 it's it's part of the experience um yeah. you did you get injured um towards like because I know you said you had two injuries um and one was a lot earlier was that like yeah. at school or it was kind especially of the company was, yeah it's kind of as I was finishing school okay um, I just had a problem with my left ankle and mm. I just couldn't fish it, you know, and it's kind of, I had teacher, a teacher kind of force it all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it just kind of got worse and worse and worse. And then I graduated. I was like, look, I'll forget about it. I had a couple mm-hmm. of cortisones, you know, tied me over, got through the competitions, did what mm-hmm. I had to do. And then my first year in the Australian ballet company, I was performing in Brisbane and I just remember warming up for like the first show and um the pain just it was like some, something just snapped in my foot oh, and I just couldn't even go on point and um I had a big bulge the size of a golf ball poking outside my foot but of course I didn't tell anyone and um <laughs> yeah from from there it was just kind of a discovery I think we uh, at the time they wanted to take a cautious approach and not go okay. straight down surgery road so we took mm-hmm. three months I think of like maybe it's my technique that's wrong you know okay, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took three months of you know rehab kind of training mm-hmm. I, I was so excited the first day I go back in the studio I do a tondu and again I couldn't the pain was just like unbearable. I could not move the foot. Mm. It was stuck in a flex position. And that's when they just went, right, you're booked in to see the surgeon next week. And I flew to Sydney, saw the surgeon. Mm-hmm. He took one look at it and he was like, yep, that's an osteogonum in there. Um, you booked in for surgery the next week. Wow. I was like, okay. So mm. went, to, went to Sydney, had an amazing surgeon, and then they found I had a ostrigonum, which for those of you who don't know, is like an extra bone in the back of your ankle, mm-hmm. um, just is kind of floating around. But because I'd danced for about two years on this without having it properly seen, mm-hmm. um, it had not grown because it doesn't grow, but it had grown protective like bone or cartilage okay. around yeah. it. So it had doubled in size and it was about the size of my two thumbs, like squashed together. Yeah, it was, it was massive. Um, So the surgeon pretty much said it was about the size of a third of my talus. And um, he actually didn't know if I'd be able to dance on point because it was such a large surface area that I would need to stand on point. Yeah. But he didn't tell me this. He told the physios. So I'm doing my rehab and the physios are like, if we don't tell her, um, treat it like, you know, any normal recovery, maybe it'll just like work. And it did. So I'm super grateful to my surgeon. He did an amazing job, but it was pretty much a full year. My first whole year of a company life was surgery and rehab. So Mm -hmm was a pretty tough year yeah I can imagine yeah that sounds like it happened all very quickly yeah Um, I think it was like February was when I went off and mm -hmm. my first show back was something like first week of December in Nutcracker in the Sydney Opera House wow 
yeah how did you like yeah that's it's so like injuries are like awful especially when it takes you out for that long did you ever feel that your because I think for a lot of dancers especially maybe in the companies and I don't know like I feel like the Australian ballet ballet would be quite good at this because it's a national company and like they're going to have they've got a great healthcare team great facilities I'm sure the budget's pretty good um like did you ever feel like your job was it did did you know whether your contract was going to be renewed for next year was that a worry for me that was the beauty of the Australian ballet I never felt like my contract was questioned and I never felt like I would lose my job over an injury okay Um, they were so supportive like they had a have a great um team and Mm -hmm. um, I felt secure in that way and I was I was given everything I needed to recover the best I could Mm -hmm. um so but even having all that um it was still hard so you know I can't imagine what it would be like if you if your career is like contract is questioned Mm. so I was very very lucky and I'm very very thankful for that um but I'm also thankful for um the dancers that helped me I nearly quit three times really yeah yeah like you uh, I mean it's I say that (laughs) I I feel I feel you I mean I'm sure everyone's been there you know you've you've just done like represented the national school international school on like international competitions done guessing done a like graduated ducks and everyone's like oh my god you have the future of this so much pressure everything Mm -hmm. like this and then to be out for a whole year um you know I didn't know my body anymore I didn't feel like I used to feel like and then I had to relearn how to use my foot again with like a third of a bone missing Mm. (laughs) um but the dancers like Madeline Easto, Dan- uh, Lana Jones, Amber Scott dancers, the principals that I looked up to so much were the ones that would pull me aside. And when I was saying, you know what, I think that's it. I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm. They were the ones that literally in the dressing room pulled me up and said, no, no, we're not going to let you do that. Come on, you've got this, you can do mm. it. And yeah, I'm forever grateful. And um yeah for that like as well as having such a great company and support Mm. for my contract and the medical team what was even more of what I really needed and what I think everyone needs is that just a good friend and a good Mm. you know good colleagues that can see you and help you through really hard times yeah absolutely I mean that support system is so important especially when you're you're injured because your brain can tell you the most ridiculous things. Yeah. <laughs> like if you were to say things out loud, like, I mean, like, I feel like that, like, you know, if you sit down with friends that have been through a similar experience and you, you know, you might have a little trauma bonding session. Um, But like, if you're just, I don't know, like there's just so like you can convince yourself that it's the end of the world that like, you shouldn't be doing this anymore. It's probably best to just, hit the like do something else like and it's so sad because often I don't know like everyone will get their first like kind of big injury to that extent at a different point um but especially when you're young like you were very young um 
I hadn't met anyone yet. You know, I was like a new, new dancer. And then I just wasn't there anymore. I'd missed that Mm -hmm. first year of, you know, making connections and friendships Mm -hmm. and like establishing yourself in the company, Mm -hmm. getting a bar spot, you know, the the small, simple things like, because it's a touring company, like, yeah you hang out with on tour you're kind of touring buddies like I'd kind of missed that whole first Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. um so yeah it was it was really tough but I was really lucky I had support and I was lucky I was in my home country so my family was um they didn't live in the same city but you know I was able to be with my family at times um yeah, but as well, like, I think that was the year where I picked up guitar and singing. Okay. And um, as just like, because I found I was doing so much rehab and so much like gym and all this sort mm-hmm. of stuff. I, I missed most the creative outlet that, that ballet is because it is an mm-hmm. art, it is a creative yeah. art. And I missed that part of it. So yeah, yeah, that's where I did that. I still, I still dabble in it. I still got a guitar in my apartment. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that also helps. So like good mm-hmm. support, good good like security in your company. So yeah. like having that legal, yeah. like mm-hmm. <laughs> knowing that you're not just gonna be yeah. Kicked out. Yeah. And I think you also do need to keep your brain active in another way, yeah. whether it be creative or whether it be studying something else. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I think what comes up a lot and talking to dancers when they have been through their injuries is like finding ways that you're also like just capable of finding enjoyment and like having an outlet that isn't ballet because I think so often especially when that it consumes our lives to then have it taken away from us from something that we can't control is really difficult so finding something like you know like a guitar or you know anything that works for you um also finding so that, like um it's and i mean so many people say it to people mm-hmm. when you see them injured and mm-hmm. you know oh you'll be stronger from this and mm-hmm. it sounds so lame to say it but you yeah. actually will i mean that whole year i mean i think the lots of people tell me now they can't i'm so resilient that i'm mm-hmm. such a resilient dancer um that i'm actually a very positive person and that um, I learned so much to self-motivate, mm-hmm. have so much accountability and self-determination. Yeah. And it all came, I think, from that year. So, and I don't think I would be the dancer I am if I didn't have that kind of, to be honest, yeah. not great start yeah. to my career. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, resilience is um, being able to, to bounce back from things and and to be positive about mm-hmm. things you know don't take things for granted mm-hmm. um you know enjoy working when when you can which it's hard as I know a lot of dancers right now are leading up to Christmas season mm-hmm. where it's going to be show 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 after a row mm-hmm. I can't wait I'm so excited because yeah you never know what can happen and um as long as you're healthy and able and happy and doing your job and giving mm-hmm. what you can to this art form that you've given so much to, mm-hmm. let it give something back. So mm-hmm. let it give you some joy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think there are so many things you can take away from having an injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are. Absolutely agree. Um, I know you also had an injury more kind of 
more recently ish yeah how did this experience and like everything that you've learned while you're you know affect or impact did you feel like you when I say more comfortable I don't know if comfort's the right word but did you feel more prepared yeah I think that's the right word and how to like mentally get through it exactly mentally and physically prepared Mm -hmm. so I just was overworked rehearsing plied a little bit off my leg out of a turn with a okay. partner but I was like I'll save it I'll just kind of like put my weight somewhere mm-hmm. not a good idea because my knee went one way my foot went the other way the snap mm-hmm. um popped a bit of the meniscus like off the mm-hmm. medial and it was the medial side and it was kind of flapping out the side mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah it wasn't it wasn't fun ideal not ideal no. but you know what um I did the most stupid thing because I thought when when something happens like this the body has a natural kind of painkiller mm-hmm. and a nat- you get this natural adrenaline yeah um, because it's back from when we were fighting for our lives yeah. you know this fight flight stage you yeah. know if you're chased by a lion and you cut yourself it kind of yeah. gives you the stamina yeah, you have this like little yeah rush to just get out of danger and then you start to feel the pain so that's kind of what happened and I thought no I think it was just a pop I think it feels released now let's run the part of it so ran the whole part of it rode my bike home and then I thought yeah it's actually it's getting a bit swollen I think I might just have an early night and see how it feels tomorrow next morning couldn't walk so yeah I kind of to go back to your question of whether I was more prepared, definitely. I yep. mean, I went straight, I contacted straight away the physios I'm good friends with in Australia because I was okay. in a company in Toulouse. Yep. So I didn't know a physio to go to. Yep. I didn't I know the protocols. Yes. So I was just telling them all my symptoms. And we're so lucky we have smartphones now. So I was sending a little video of my knee explaining the pain. Mm-hmm telling her my symptoms yeah. we, we could actually do like she'd ask me can you do this or what does that feel like yeah and strengthen this yeah um so I was able to get an idea of what happened mm-hmm. um yeah and then it was just kind of met the physio of that the company sent me to mm-hmm. I was very I think it taught me my previous surgery to be very kind of clinical and a bit kind of disassociate myself from my body if that's a way mm-hmm. um, know it's really important to know um I I love knowing things so I loved mm-hmm. anatomy mm-hmm. so I could I was fully explaining so it's inside it's under the patella I think it's meniscus if you can use all these words and explain I can like um, flex but I can't extend it hurts mm-hmm. to like push off but doesn't mm-hmm. hurt to like sustain mm-hmm. if you can know the more you know about your body and the more you know how to communicate it to mm-hmm. a doctor a physio yeah. a surgeon the faster you're going to get results and the yeah. faster you're going to be able to get the actual problem seen to mm-hmm. so basically yeah it helped me with all of that I knew coming in and out of surgery like what it's kind of like with recovery time I you know I did a lot of google searching talked to a lot of people who had been through the same thing I was about to go through and then 
what they're doing now and Steve McRae is great for this. I mean, mm-hmm. unfortunately, he's also just done yeah. his knee. Um, you know, you you train for your surgery now. So you're the strongest yeah. you can be going into it. And then you know that there's like a, a time frame where you do have to actively rest. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you're given the green light, follow what you're told and and mm-hmm. go for gold pretty much. So Yeah. Yeah, it's just part and parcel really of mm-hmm. um another another scar to add to my to my list of experiences. Let's hope no well touch wood. Touch wood. <laughs> touch wood. Um so you were in Toulouse when this all happened. And yeah. then how did you end up in Scottish Ballet? What was that um kind of like process of like deciding that you wanted to look elsewhere or move on um especially the rank that you are which is I like I don't often like talk to a lot of dancers that are in this rank and moving companies Mm. um how was that process and like what was some of your thoughts or wants out of your job and because you know then you get to a point I'm sure where you feel that maybe you can be a bit more picky where you want to be. I don't know if that, that's yeah. The I mean, right it, way yeah. It, so I I moved to to Stuttgart because mm-hmm. I just wanted to be in Europe, and I mm-hmm. was offered an incredible opportunity through the yep. Waldorf Scholarship, and mm-hmm. um, offered an incredible um, appointment directly to Half Solace by Reed Anderson, and I was okay. you know couldn't turn it down, and Dave mm-hmm. McAllister was. I'm really supportive of me at the time for that. Right. So, yeah. You know, our dance careers aren't long, so you just kind of have to run with it when you take mm-hmm. and get it. Mm-hmm. So, and I really enjoy my time in Stuttgart. I love dancing Krenko. Um, and then I'd been there for about six years and I just, um, I'd, I'd done a lot of the roles and I just kind of thought it was moving a little bit contemporary and I still really wanted to go more classical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I was invited to guest with Toulouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two weeks to learn their Nutcracker and perform in Barcelona. Um, that was an incredible Ooh. experience, my first time guesting. Um, yeah, that would have been cool. And that was just incredible. So I had an amazing time that they invited me again for the next season as Giselle. And mm-hmm. I was Giselle before. So wow. I was very thankful that Sukkot yeah. let me go for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing as I was interested in leaving anyway, um, the opportunity arise, they proposed that I could be kind of like a soloist, but supplementing the etoile, mm-hmm. um, for a season in Toulouse. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's a great opportunity. I really liked working with them in these guestings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I went to Toulouse. Um, unfortunately, um, the director, um, it was a decision made from the theatre. Um, mm-hmm. was kind of cancelled mm. mid-season. Um, so, and he was the one that hired me and that I moved for. Yeah. Um, so it was a very tricky situation for the whole company in Toulouse, mm. actually, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were left in the lurch and a lot of people yeah. didn't know what was going on. Um, it wasn't handled very well. Um yeah. 
but yeah, unfortunately, because I was a special contract okay. um, with the director that they um, cancelled, they didn't have a contract to continue me. So okay. it was a very strange situation, um, especially just coming out of surgery, yeah. just after having danced 12 roles and mm. coming there for that purpose and then being told that you're actually not wanted mm. was... Um, actually really um it was really tough to to handle um as you know but um yeah so then I thought right well pick yourself up and um you know things happen for a reason so I just kind of got a little show reel together um I joined Coda um management mm-hmm. uh, which is a agency for classical ballet dancers yeah and I joined and Rebecca the um, founder was so lovely and she actually gave me a whole heap of emails oh she yeah she's amazing she's incredible Shout out to Re- if you're a dancer looking for a job yeah. or looking for guessing or galas you need to contact Coda so yeah. yeah so she actually gave me um passed me an email which led to another email and I sent my things to Christopher Hampson here at Scottish Ballet. And I was really interested in Scottish Ballet because they're doing a lot of new um, choreographies and pushing a lot of boundaries mm-hmm. um, with really great facilities. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, yeah, I'll give that a shot. So mm-hmm. I came over, um, took a few classes and spoke to Chris and um, we got on really well. and. Yeah, the offer of guest principal came up and um, yeah, I was very happy to to accept and um, it's been a great move. So mm. I was really excited. So that's kind of my transition. Yeah. Um. So it was kind of not your usual transition. Um. I think after COVID, you would think being soloist and guest at all that you would have your pick of the, you know, pick of the bunch, but after COVID, a lot of companies have started to restrict how many high, highly paid contracts they have due to money oh. reasons. Um, and if they're full, they're full. Um, yeah, that's true. Budgets don't move as mm-hmm. freely as they, I think, used to. Used to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of companies I would have loved to join mm. and um, I lots of rep that's great and lots of directors mm. and choreographers I'd love to work with. Mm. Um, and sometimes they would even write back and say, look, I'd actually like to work with you too, but our hands are tied. So mm. there are fours and against and pros mm-hmm. and cons to, to, to being at a higher rank and moving as to being in a quarter ballet and moving mm-hmm. because there are more places for quarter ballet than there are for, those high points. Mm. Um, I think um, it's right place, right time. Yeah. And um, you kind of have to trust in faith a little bit, but at the same time, you do have to push yourself. And yeah. um, that's where that self motivation and that like determination, that resilience, mm-hmm. even learning from an injury comes into place when you're looking for jobs or looking to transition or just kind of you know, seeking out mm-hmm. a different career path within the ballet world. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's 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 so interesting to hear like another perspective of I guess the job hunt. Because like 
we hear a lot about it from like that school to like first job or like that's especially the conversation that I tend to have with a lot of people but it's interesting to hear it from like your perspective and your experience especially like post-covid things have changed yeah um, have, yeah um so it's yeah it's interesting to see how that's happened um want to talk a bit about cinders um yes. and what this experience has been like because like you said I mean you were drawn to Scottish ballet because they are reinventing a lot of what the the work a lot of work and bringing new perspectives to everything um I really enjoyed I saw their Coppelia earlier yeah in the year. loved it mm-hmm. I thought it was amazing I thought it was so fresh like I was like I like everyone needs to see this yeah and I, like I really enjoyed it um and so like it'd be interesting to talk about how that experience of doing something that like is a, it's a little bit different the perspective of cinders is a bit different to maybe what is typically we're still seeing um so yeah yeah so um to not sound tacky or anything mm-hmm. it really is a dream come true uh and it's the way I came here I did not expect to be in such an for me such mm-hmm. an incredible situation I'm just I'm really loving every minute and um, I'm just so thankful that things happen the way the way they did you know you don't mm-hmm. know it's meant to be until it happens yeah. even if it's a really tough time maybe you're meant to go through it for a reason mm-hmm. and I think that's just what's what's happened to me and I'm very lucky and very thankful mm. but yeah so cinders um Chris Christopher Hansen um has decided to retell the story of cinders um by having one night the traditional female playing the role of Cinders and she meets her prince at the ball and he rescues her from her life and they fall in love. And then on the next night, it will be Cinders as a male dancer who falls in love with the princess and it's the princess who rescues him from his mm. his life and they end up falling in love and having a happy happy life together. So Mm. it's really it's been so fun to work on and it's been so eye-opening that it's so important that to Christopher that we challenge this stereotype of the woman always being the the sick sad Giselle who dies Mm. but then forgives the person who cheated on her and then the sleeping beauty who pricks her finger because she's Mm -hmm. silly on the 16th birthday and falls asleep Mm -hmm. and a man has to give her a kiss to wake her up yeah so it's so refreshing and um I'm I've Bruno my partner and I have been um working with Chris quite intensely to choreograph the ballet and he's been choreographing it as me as the princess with Bruno as my cinders Mm -hmm. and um it's been really refreshing to be quite powerful and to take command in mm-hmm. a lot of the part of us. It's still, mm-hmm. he's lifting me. It's still the same roles of a, of a yeah. traditional part of mm-hmm. falling in love. 
but it's just the subtleties of how we act Mm -hmm. because we are telling a story and it's something simple as standing in my palace and he walks into the room Mm -hmm. and I'm the one that offers the hand and shows him my palace and asks Mm -hmm. him to dance with me. Mm -hmm. It's such a simple thing, but it has actually quite, I don't know, it feels quite important in the studio at the moment because Mm -hmm. it's still quite new. Mm. Uh, to be done you know I'm usually the one putting something as simple as offering the hand with the palm up it's a big yeah I'm always giving my hand you know Mm -hmm. like this and it's that took forever to get Mm -hmm. into my body yeah Um, yeah so it's been really eye-opening really invigorating and really stimulating um yeah and it's also nice because I will dance both but you won't know which one you'll get until the night so oh, it's a that's fun yeah that's exciting so yeah so it's nice that I'll get to experience both mm-hmm. um because he's made this ballet very challenging it's mm-hmm. beautiful music it's even got a little bit of extra Prokofiev music thrown in there a little mm-hmm. extra part of her oh. um so it's very challenging physically but it's going to be absolutely beautiful with new costumes, new set. Oh, beautiful. And yeah, this tweak on the on the storyline is just, I think, going to make it more readable, more relatable, mm-hmm. more accessible for so many people. So I'm really excited to, to perform that. Yeah, that sounds so exciting. Um, are you guys touring it? Yeah, we're touring. Because I want to I would love to see that. Yeah. Um well, I can pull up I can um put yeah. that in the link for people that's in the description. Um tickets to Cinderella. Well Cinders. Um yeah, tickets to Cinders, yes. So we open in Glasgow on the 9th of December. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um all the way till I think New Year's Eve. Okay. And then we go straight to Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And- um, in Edinburgh for about three weeks mm-hmm. and then I think we tour to Aberdeen, Inverness mm-hmm. and Newcastle. Oh okay yes. All okay. the way until I think our last show is the 10th or 11th of February. So oh okay yeah nice. Got plenty of opportunities to see both both versions. Both versions. Woo! Yeah, um, yeah that sounds very exciting. Um and yeah, it'll be fun. Oh my god, first season yeah, to Scotland. Like, How exciting. Because I've been here since August. We I started with the company um on the first of August, but mm-hmm. because I've been working intensely creating um cinders, mm-hmm. I haven't I wasn't involved in the autumn program. Okay. So yeah. I haven't actually performed for for the UK yet. So I'm super excited to That's exciting. Um, to have my premiere so it's the first of cinders it's the first cinders of its kind and it's also my first performance with scottish ballet so very exciting that's very exciting that's very exciting um that's so fun i'm feeling the fun for you (laughs) yeah thanks (laughs) next question what i'd what i think is really important to talk about and i think you talk about it quite well like you're quite um I don't know how to explain it but you're quite verbal online on Instagram about fueling 
and especially as a professional dancer, which I don't think is talked about often. Um, how do you, like, has that changed throughout your career from student to professional? How do you find, like, it for yourself and how have you learned to be in an environment where you're comfortable having that extra snack, having, you know, eating between rehearsals when maybe a lot of people during school are told not to. And essentially like we're taught in school, especially as females to restrict, always told need to be a bit smaller, need to be a bit leaner, blah, blah, blah. How have you dealt with that? And how do you, how have you kind of found space to, I guess actually like make like fueling work for you as an athlete in dance, if that makes sense? Yeah, so it's a loaded question for sure. Yeah, it's loaded. Take your time. <laughs> I think it's a very, very important topic and a important question. And um, yeah, so be, being in the ballet world and in my training full time since around fourteen to now, being professional and going on my fourteenth season, I've been around. I've kind of seen and experienced it all. And it's a lot of it's not pretty. So I think we're really at a, at a point where it needs to change. We have a lot of scientific evidence now. There's a lot more data that is proving that ballet, even though it is an art form, is a physical sport. We are athletes and we need to be treated as such. Um, I think the old ballet mentality for having especially women um, we're kind of used as props or as dolls that just have to look pretty and be light and lifted and fit into costumes. But nowadays, our schedules, touring schedules, our repertoire is so physically demanding and difficult. We require energy to do that. And the only thing that's going to give us energy as human beings is food and fuel. Um, so my experience um is always learning mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with celiac disease at 13 um which for those of you who don't know it's a really um allergic reaction to wheat gluten barley malt and for me oats as well so um I got quite sick because um your body doesn't absorb nutrients properly if I if I'm eating these foods that cause my body to have an allergic reaction. So I know how important it is from that perspective to feel properly because I know what it's like to be malnourished and the effects it has on your body are pretty substantial. So I've always been very aware um, of how to feel for myself being gluten-free and finding out that I was allergic to gluten at a young age. It was around the same time because only a year or two later I moved out of home so I really had to to make sure I knew what I was doing mm -hmm. um nowadays um to eat gluten-free is so much easier especially in the UK it's wonderful mm -hmm. um yeah so I think a blessing in disguise forced me to be a bit more knowledgeable than your average teenager in ballet about what I needed to eat to make sure I had enough energy that I could work mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm actually, I've only got quite confident on social media, I guess, or a bit more open mm -hmm. very recently. 
Um, I'm good friends with Oz Dancers Overseas, um, mm -hmm. who is Dr. Stephanie, and we talk a lot about the issues, especially in schools at the moment and some companies um that things need to change there is change happening but it does need to change and I'm not a scientist or a doctor or a nutritionist or anything mm. but I feel like I like as you say you know I'm a I'm a professional dancer I've been around the world um I know enough to just put a post to say you know what I felt like a hot chocolate after class probably really needed the energy um, you know, milk actually has a lot of protein in it, sugar, quick carbohydrates. It's actually really acceptable and it's actually really good. It just puts you over the line so you can make it to your lunch break later on and not be in a deficit. Mm -hmm. um, so not only is it delicious, mm -hmm. um, it's actually not a treat. It's actually helping me in my recovery from class to fuel me for rehearsal um, yeah, and just making that more accessible to people that you don't have to buy the latest protein bar or the latest whey protein packets or this to like to be fueling. It can literally be just a good quality baked sourdough, you know, a lot of it with your lunch, with your lunch mm -hmm. some good protein that you can get in normal food or even mm -hmm. normal milk, um, whatever you really like. But so it doesn't have to be expensive or unachievable or unattainable. It has to be sustainable. And for us as dancers, it has to be sometimes quick. You know, mm -hmm. I've always got snacks in my bag. I've always yeah. got gluten-free muesli bar, um, chocolate. I've got my chocolate powder in my in my uh, locker. So mm -hmm. I just have it there waiting for me at the moment because Christmas time, I just bought the new gluten-free um fruit mince pies Ooh. they're a they're a perfect little snack of like high energy with some carbohydrates and some good fats to give me some energy mm -hmm. it's just working with what you've got and um yeah breaking that stigma not being afraid because you don't have to be afraid to eat you're allowed to eat you're supposed to eat we are human beings um, yeah yeah so I'm happy that um yeah you've noticed and um I hope other people notice and take a positive from these little posts I do with my dog and my porridge. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hope it helps break this yeah. stigma. I think that's the biggest thing that I really appreciate from it. And like, I don't know, could be just me. <laughs> um, but at least like in my experience in school and like in prof and that professional experience, it's a lot of being surrounded by people teachers like telling you not to snack telling you this telling you that and it's I think it's just refreshing to see that like it's possible to be a professional dancer a dance really beautifully b and snack like because we just get taught I don't know like if it's the same for everyone and could be just the niche experience but I also think it's quite widely does happen um that we think that a lot of the time by eating less that's going to make us better but yeah, that's not I the mean, case yeah I, I mean I had the experience and I'm, I'm gonna mm -hmm. yeah I um I had a teacher was just about to go 
represent a competition somewhere. I'm going to be very vague. But yeah, um, as vague they, as you need to be. Yeah. And this, um, this teacher came to me and um, just kind of brushed my bottom and okay. um, just said, just watch this. Okay. Um, the day before I got on the plane to go to this competition. So, of course, during the competition, I didn't eat the whole time because okay. that, you know, I was mm-hmm. very young. I was like 16 or something. Um, of course, failed miserably in my variations. I had to do about five variations in this competition and failed miserably. And I was set to place and I didn't place anywhere. And I came back and I got so upset with myself. Um, and I think that's where we really need to realize that teachers, parents, role models, other dancers have such an influence and it can literally be such a one word mm-hmm. or that one little gesture. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, especially in schools, yeah. we are children. We're still children. We're very impressionable. And we do silly things if we think it's yeah, you know, the right thing. We haven't, um, we're looking up to those people mm-hmm. to teach us the right thing. Um, yeah, so I know, I mean, I made it to my career and I've, um, learned from that experience that that wasn't the way to go. And I've got back, but some people, unfortunately don't, they suffer quite, yeah, quite a lot and don't end up having the career I've had. So I'm very grateful and thankful that, that I have had this great career. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just. I learned that, yeah, that doesn't work for me. I need to eat and I shouldn't have listened to that weird advice and say la vie, move on. So just bringing, yeah, to everyone that as students especially, mm-hmm. you're working super hard, your bodies are growing, you're developing, you know, you need to respect your body and yeah. um, let it do its magic. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, well, that's okay. It's a, um, yeah, it's a big thing to share, but I think yeah. this is a, a space where it's important to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the sad thing is that I'm sure, like people listening, I think every dancer's had a comment of similar said to them, and it's like, how do you deal with that? How do you not let that get in your way? How do you not let that define how you move forward? Um, which is really hard, um, but really appreciate appreciate you, yeah, talking about it. Um, is yeah, there anything? I mean, uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> okay. yeah, so I'll just say like, um, so dancers, we're very young. We leave home very young. We move into these these professional schools very young. Um, if you are to compare it to something like young basketballers or like the AIS or something like this, they have nutritional teams. Mm these young athletes and they have you know kitchens and all this sort of stuff ballet world is just so far behind um yes it's an art form but it is a very physical art form and I guess I'm just hoping that you know 10 years time that they won't be having this conversation on a podcast that it will be celebrating the fact that you know there's implemented um nutritional teams for the national represented schools for for ballet schools yeah yeah that's what would be like 
ideal to see. Dream world. <laughs> Dream world, absolutely. Because otherwise it's just like every man's for themselves just trying to work out what how to look after themselves as young children, which is, yeah, it's it's a hard, it's a hard, weird, it's an experience that everyone has to go through, but it'd be so much, it'd be made so much better with that support, 100%. Definitely. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're always learning. I'm still always learning. And mm-hmm. um, I'm so grateful Scottish Ballet has a nutritionist that we can have contact with. Mm-hmm. She's helping me um, fuel and what times I should use some recovery drinks and things after a performance of Cinder's. Um, because we have a lot of shows and I'm I'm new to this here. So it's great. Um, I'm really happy with this information and I'm really looking forward to putting it in. So, mm-hmm. you know, even I'm still learning, we're all still learning. Um, but yeah, it's just, if you have questions, like, you know, I had a question, so I go call mm-hmm. someone who knows the answer, go speak yeah. to someone who does have a professional educated mm-hmm. opinion if you're not getting that from a mentor or a school teacher or home family that's okay but if you're if you feel like you want to know or have questions go to where you can get mm-hmm. them answered. Absolutely. until dream world schools where yeah exactly <laughs> um i'll leave some people in the description that i recommend like yeah. following on instagram um who were very you know very open and give out a lot of great information um so yeah do you have any last words to finish up the episode um thank you for having me on here Romy it's okay um I'm very I'm sincerely very honored to be here and (gasps) uh, I'm very happy to to share my humble experience and what I've lived and been through. And I just hope that people enjoy it and gain something from it, whether it be the um, hot chocolate after class or whether it being had to keep, you know, motivated during an injury rehab or mm. if they're questioning, thinking about moving countries or companies. Um, yeah, it's um, a great, great life and it's, it is what you make it. So you know, enjoy, enjoy it while you can and reach out and follow me on Instagram. If you have any questions, I'm very approachable. Yeah. yeah. I'll leave your Instagram again in the description below. So if anyone has any questions for Jess, you can message her, follow her, whatever you want. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being part of the podcast, Jess. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. Um, no worries listeners you can hear next episode same time next week bye